This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Hard to Tell Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. Podcast episode 209. Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. Yes, sir. Brian, how are you doing, man? I am doing quite well um, for reasons that we're not going to elaborate too much on okay. uh, because we don't want to give out all of our business there because a lot, a lot of people are posting their bet slips and leaving the amounts of money that they won. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Just know that I've I had a pretty nice, you know, last couple days and I'm looking to ride the hot hand and a withdrawal when necessary. Don't put okay. too much in your uh, in your account. Well, you had these gambling things. You had a good day with a uh, weekend, I should say, with yeah. the NFL. We're going to talk a lot of NFL on this podcast. We have yeah. a guest uh, joining us on this podcast that I'm very excited about. But first, because by the time this podcast drops, I want to let people know some career update news. Oh, uh, we're yeah, doing so it this week. We're doing that. You we're teased do it, it for like two weeks. <laughs> and for two weeks, especially because of the guests we have today, because I will be working with this guest again. Um. So to let everybody know, I will be working back again for the second time in my career with the New York Post uh, as their weekend sports anchor. I will be doing some videos for them, hosting, and there's a partnership with Sportsnet New York, SNY. So some of the content will be on New York Post and SNY.TV. So excited about it. New chapter. Yes. Back in sports full time, not outside in the cold anymore, which is great. So yeah. um, excited about that, man. So I just want to announce that on here. Uh, people Absolutely. will see that by the time they'll see it on social media, I'm sure. And with that being said, our guest today, guy I worked with when I started working at The Post back in 2007, and that makes me feel old. He is the beat writer for, and you're, la- you're laughing? You're really? Come not on. because I'm like, how does 2007 make you feel old? But I'm not going to. it was a while ago. No, I'm, I'm not going gonna- to. I'm not going to do this because then you're going to be like, you're going to be like, what were you doing in 2007? And I'm yeah, not going to have yeah. an encouraging that, answer that's, for you. And that's going to make, that's going to make me feel old that for, for sure. I hope I don't make our guests feel old, but back in 2007, started working with him at New York Post. He is the beat writer covering the New York Giants. Huge Kirby enthusiasm fan like myself. Also knows a lot about the NFL. It's my guy, Paul Swartz. Paul, welcome to the A Hard Cell Podcast. 
Hey guys, look, I can tell you for sure. In 2007, I was not doing a podcast. Okay, <laughs> I don't think I, you know, you know, I was not doing a podcast. I do my own podcast with Lawrence Times. Um, yep, you know, Blue mm-hmm. Rush podcast. You know, and and, and you know that's a lot of fun. But um, here's what I would say about Dexter: you coming back. All right. Uh, okay. Back then, you made people like me and our Jets beat writer Brian Costello look pretty good in those. <laughs> videos that we did pretty good i'm not saying great because you know look what you had to work with here but if, if, if you we pretty good so if you could make us look pretty good you can come back and make us look even better this time around how's that well those are kind words paul but i should have the viewers and listeners should know paul had tv experience so he was oh like i just say i don't want to say i don't want to say any journalists were tough that i worked with the post but he was one of the more seasoned uh guys for the position, but he worked with me. He was patient. He's always good. Paul, we were joking before we started recording about how we used to have to wait out in the cold, go out in the cold at MetLife Stadium and do these videos. But uh, we got them done, right? We had some fun. And, and, and it would be, you know, the, the, the deal was always, look, Dexter, after I finish all my writing. Yes, that was the deal. the podcast, right? So Giants yep. had a game at 1 o'clock. I started writing 4.30, 5 o'clock after the locker room. And, you know, Dexter was very very patient and things, but you know, I could tell eventually it's like seven o'clock, seven fifteen. It's like, you know, what are you writing? Uh, War and Peace there? Come on, let's go. You know, I mean, you know, you know, I read your stuff, and you don't need to take that long. But then, we'd, then we'd go down to the field, right? And it would be cold, and I'd be, yeah, we, we'd get it done. We'd get, we'd it, get done. it done. Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul is a true pro, Brian. And now, mm-hmm. now we have to ask you, Paul. I talked about 2007 because Brian said if he talks about what he was doing in 2007. So, you know, yeah. Brian, is, Brian is considerably younger than me and considerably younger than you. Did any of that talk of 2007 make you feel old? No. <laughs> I was covering the Giants in 2007, okay? And I'm still covering the Giants. So, you know, that, that makes me feel happy. Look, you know what makes me feel old? 2007, you know, I covered almost exactly 14 years ago to the day, hmm. 15 years ago, I guess, the greatest game I ever covered was the Ice Bowl 2 in Green Bay, right? Ah. In Green Bay, Lawrence Tynes kicks a 47-yard field goal to send the Giants to the Super Bowl, minus 24 degrees wind chill. At the time, we thought that was Brett Favre's last game ever. And wouldn't you know it, right? Just this weekend, Robbie Gould, kicks a 45-yard field goal in zero degree or whatever it was in Green Bay. I mean, that is cool, you know. And and I had a story in the Post on Monday that Robbie Gould on Tuesday, last Tuesday, called Lawrence Tynes, their buddies, you know, kicking buddies, for yeah. some advice. Lawrence, give me anything you can give me about kicking in the playoffs at Green Bay at Lambeau Field. And Lawrence Tyne said the number one thing I would tell look, Robbie Gould's a hell of a kicker, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and he's a, he's a, he's he's never missed. He's now 20 for 20 in the postseason. But what Lawrence Tyne told him, which I wrote in the post, because we're we're podcast buddies, that is that look, in warm-ups, it's gonna be really cold. And some guys are not gonna go want to go out there and warm up. I remember talking to Monty Toomer after that game in 2007, you know, it was the 2007 season in early 2008. And Amani Toomer said he went out there in warmups, went out there, took a breath. His, his chest froze up. Okay. You just, you know, you know, when you get that cold Arctic air in your chest, mm-hmm. they froze up. He said, the hell with this. And he went back inside. <laughs> he said, I'll go out for warmups for the game. I'm not warming up an hour and a half. It's, I can't deal with it. So Tyne said, you have to resist that. Go out, get with your holder. 
get with your long snapper, get a few kicks in, and then let them go back in, you know, end on a good one. And then you kick on yourself with your little, your little T there. You kick with yourself and, and get yourself ready to go. But you have to prepare, even though it's really cold. And Robbie Gould did that. And as we know, um, sent Aaron Rodgers and the Packers home, didn't he? He sent them home. And I, it's funny, Paul, because I remember that game, watching on TV. Obviously, you were there in Green Bay. I remember working with you on a video with that before up to that week as you're getting ready to head out to the cold. So I remember all that. See, that makes see Brian, that makes me yeah. feel old, Brian. I remember that with Paul. We were doing that in 2007. But, Paul, yeah. 2007, to that 2008, that playoff run, that was a fantastic year, okay? The Giants, and you know, we had a couple years later, won another Super Bowl. The Giants haven't been that great since then. Last year is disappointing. You know, they were 4-13. How did you survive as a beat writer through this 4-13 disappointing giant season that we just saw? Yo, Dexter, that's what I like about you. You said it hasn't been so great. No, no, that's, that's a really nice way to put it. It hasn't been so great. I mean, the last four or five years have been dismal. It's um, it's not easy. You know, I mean, um, what happens is you start the season, you think maybe they'll be okay. Look, every two years they, they hire a new coach now, so you have to learn a new coach. You have to learn new coordinators. You have to learn the offensive, you know, and defensive position guys. So everything's different. Um, it was rough. It's rough because look, you don't root. I'm not a fan. You have to cover teams whether they're four and thirteen or thirteen or four. You know, I've covered teams that went to the Super Bowl. I've covered teams that finished in last place. But when you're covering a team that's winning and is in the playoff hunt, people are more excited. People are more interested. People really can't wait for the games. You know, quite frankly, I have to admit this. The Sunday Sundays for me were like I did not look forward to the games because the Giants were bad. They couldn't score. The last six games, where they scored twenty six points or something yeah. overall. They had no quarterback. It was they had really no chance. I flew to Chicago. You know, in the pandemic, you know, flying is not a picnic, right? I flew to Chicago for that game, and you know, it's just brutal. You know, these games are brutal. They're brutal to watch. They're brutal to see. Um, you know, you knew guys were going to get fired. They all got fired, the GM and the head coach. So, yeah, it, it's it's unpleasant. You know, it's nobody's happy. Everyone's miserable. The players are miserable. Um, front office is miserable. So, um, you know, I mean, they don't have to win the Super Bowl every year, but you want a competitive team. You know, you watch those right. games this weekend, right? And it's like, I want back into those. I want to cover those games with the Giants and then let the chips fall where they may. It's fun. People love it when the Giants are good. So, you know, it, it, it's good for business. Definitely, yeah. Business. I I actually want to get right to because we're already on the off season, or at least yeah. for the Giants, we're in the off season, yeah. and we're hearing a lot of Brian Flores smoke. Uh, full disclosure, and I think Dexter's with me on this, though we haven't really discussed it. We don't like. I don't think he should have gotten fired from the Dolphins at all. It didn't make a lot of sense to me, but I am wondering. Brooklyn native Giants have an opening here. I feel like in terms of identity or what they aspire to, or what they would like to aspire to be next. It would be a match there. Like, is the smoke between, you know, the Giants and Brian Flores, is there anything to that? And could we potentially see him home? Well, the smoke, I don't think there's fire quite yet, though. You know, um, <laughs> um, look, look, you have to remember, they've hired a GM, Joe Shane from Buffalo, right? Yeah, he doesn't right. really have connections with Brian Flores at all. Look, what do you guys do when you're hiring people, right? You reach out to people you know. Um, these GMs reach out to people they know. So I think that Joe Shane... Brian Dayball connection is very strong. Dayball obviously had a very good weekend. Uh, his Bills didn't win, so he's you know unhappy about that. But uh, Josh Allen, his you know his quarterback played great. The Bills' offense played great. 
uh, they didn't win the game. So Dayball is a hot commodity. Uh, he will interview Tuesday with the Giants. He is the first guy to interview, get a second interview with the Giants. Brian Flores hasn't gotten in the door yet, even though I think he will be interviewed. Um, you know, Flores, I mean, I was I was, I was, was surprised when he was fired from, from uh, the Dolphins. Uh, I think there's a few caveats with him. Number one, why does he go through offensive coordinators so much? He's, he, I think he fired three of them at his time. You know, he had a reputation for being, quote, unquote, difficult to work with, um, you know. We'll see about that. Look, he won games. Don't forget, he won. Se- he w- he was the first coach in NFL history to lose seven games in a season and then win seven games in the same season in a row. That's unusual, right? So he had a great closing run. He didn't make the playoffs, but he was one in eight, I believe, before that. Uh, he'll be a head coach in a league, I think, again. Maybe not this cycle. I'm not sure. But you have to investigate why was he fired, Okay. Um, it wasn't just because of football, obviously, because Joe Judge was fired because they were four and thirteen. You know, it was football related. This was not football related. Personalities, is he a mix? Is he a match? And one more thing I would say about Flores is you usually tend to hire the opposites, right? Flores is a lot like Joe Judge in that they're from the Bill Belichick school. Um, Flores has not coached anywhere other than New England for Bill Belichick. Hard guys. Hard practices. Um, Joe Judge fired uh, offensive coordinators and fired offensive line coaches. So there's, there's an edge to them, that Belichick way of doing things. Do the Giants want to go down that road a second straight time? Maybe, mm. you know, Flores and, and Judge are not the same person, right? You're not hiring the same guy. So yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I don't think Flores is the favorite. Um, I think he's a considerable candidate. But right now, if I would have to put money on it, I, I would put money on Brian Dable. Paul, do you like the Shane hire as GM? Obviously, he's hired last week. That was announced last week. You've been all over that, of course. Yeah. Do you like the hire of Shane as GM? Do you think he's the right guy to lead this team going forward? Well, I mean, I would say yes now, saying yes and having never met the guy. You know, I researched him. I thought the Giants, the Giants, I thought, had an excellent GM list. They had nine guys there. Uh, John Maris said afterwards he thinks all nine guys will eventually be GMs in the league. I thought it was Shane. I thought it was Adam Peters from the 49ers. Um, who else did I think? Oh, and I thought um, um, Poles, Ryan Poles, who was only 36 years old from, from the Cardinals, were great candidates. Okay, there were some other really good candidates. Rand Carthon, Maurice Carthon, the old giant fullback, his son um, interviewed. I heard he did well. But, you know, so those they had a really good group. I, 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 I was more impressed with the GM candidates they have than the head coach candidates they are looking at right now, quite frankly. So I think, look, Shane, if he fails, it will not be because he's not prepared or he doesn't have the resume. He's worked for three different organizations. Um, he's done really good things in Buffalo. It's time for him to get his own team and he will get his own team. And, um, you know, he, he'll be very different than he's 42 years old. Dave Gettleman is 70. It's a whole new way of doing things for the Giants. Yeah, so and, and that I'm glad you just said the thing at the end, a whole new way of doing things for the Giants. When you talk about that, Paul and Brian and I, we look at organizations in all across all sports, right? How they build the rosters, how you do all the stuff. The Giants have been, I don't even know where I'd say they stuck. Let's just say it's badness, right? They they haven't been good. You've talked about how miserable you are at these games. The thing I would ask people who are around the Giants, like yourself, people who are plugged in, what's wrong with the Giants? Do they need a complete change overhaul i've been around that team we know the maras they're very proud we know it's a very proud organization 
But is there does there need to be a new Giants way of doing things, Paul? Like is, is are, and is Mara and the, the Mara and Tish family are they open to doing that? Yes, yes. I mean, this is the first time since nineteen. 19- 79. Okay, you guys want to feel old? 1979, right? Now, (laughs) I was not covering the Giants in 1979, okay? I was very much alive, but I was not covering the Giants. So um, that's the last time they hired from outside their organization a general manager, you know, George Young. Ever since then, it was Ernie Accorsi. He was George Young's assistant. Then it was Jerry Reese, Ernie Accorsi's assistant. Then it was Dave Gettleman, who had been with the Giants for 15 years previously. So this is you know, this is John Mara and Steve Tisch, the co-owner, saying, we need help. We can't do it from within. We can't hire from within our family. So, I, you know, you know, so Joe Shane is definitely a departure. Um, what, the, what they need to do is just do better. Um, you know, look, you can't reinvent the wheel. You can't not scout the colleges. You can't, um, you know, not sign, uh, you know, free agents. You have to do these things. Uh, if you would say, what is the one problem the Giants have had? It is they've drafted poorly. Okay, so what happens when you draft poorly? Drafted players are cheap labor, right? The first round pick gets a lot of money, but he doesn't get a lot of money compared to a draft pick. So when you draft Kadarius Tony, he's your property, so to speak. You know, he's under your contract for uh, you know for four years and possibly five with the with the fifth year option. He's still cheap compared to Kenny Galladay, who you have to pay seventy two million dollars for. So you draft poorly. Then you have to make it up by chasing it in free agency where you have to spend too much money for players who are on the free agent market for a reason. So that's the thing. So if Joe Shane can come in here and get this draft board in order and start drafting better, don't forget, guys, the Giants have the number five and number seven picks this year right. If you hit in the first round. If you hit on both those guys, you have two starters for four, five, ten years. Now you're cooking. So draft better. Sign players wisely and pick the right head coach. You know, they have to pick the right head coach here. Yeah, they they, de- they definitely do. Go ahead, Brian. What is the new GM hire? Because usually when we're talking about, like, organizations and things like that, like people, as you alluded to earlier, they want to bring in their own guys. So I'm wondering, for the players' perspective, what does this actually mean for Daniel Jones, who's been a quarterback for three years? Do the Giants feel like they've seen enough? Or is the new GM going to try and get their own guy, being that they do have two top seven picks this year in the first round, though this isn't a great quarterback draft. I figured you can use that to get somebody. And there are also a couple of guys out there, Russell Wilson being one of them, who's going to be seemingly made available during the offseason for trade. You know, are the Giants sort of looking uh, away from Daniel Jones at this point, given that he's going to be entering his fourth year? And, you know, it's kind of been up and down and inconsistent, though he's shown flashes you know, you're still not quite sure three years in. Good. A lot of good questions there. Also, don't forget, Daniel Jones is coming off a, a neck injury. And, yes. you, know, we'll, we, he, you know, first and foremost, we have to see if he's going to be healthy enough to play. Right. But right. let's assume he is. Um, I believe from what I was told that Joe Shane, you know, in his interview said, look, um, I can work with Daniel Jones, you know, not, you know, as opposed to coming in and saying, I don't believe in your quarterback and you got to get a new one. Um, now, having said that, they will have competition for Daniel Jones. They will, they will. This will not be a Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm situation. They will bring in somebody, whether it's in the draft, I don't expect in the first round, but maybe in the second round or, or in, in a free agent signing, who will be able to compete with Daniel Jones for the starting job. You know, none of this. You're the first round pick. You're anointed here. So that's number one. Um, you know, I, I think there are all options are, are on the table. You know, do I think they're going to get Russell Wilson? No. Um, but. Look, uh, Daniel Jones has been an okay player. Uh, he's been hurt every year. He's 
been in the league so far, and and that's a problem coming off 16 years with Eli Manning not being hurt. You know, the Giants are used to having their starting quarterback healthy and on the field. Um, you know, and, and look, Shane was in. You know, Joe Shane was in Buffalo when they got Josh Allen. Right? They took a chance on Josh Allen. You know, he was not. You know, he was not the top guy. Some people loved him. Some people were lukewarm about him. They took him high in the draft. He was very raw from Wyoming, a big, strong kid who had all kinds of, you know, um, technical issues. He didn't complete a lot of passes in college, um, didn't have great wide receivers, obviously, playing at that level, did not have a great start to his NFL career, got hurt. Um, he's a great player right now, right? I think we can all agree he's a great player. You know, every team would love to have him. So, um, uh, Joe Shane saw that the way you can develop a player. Look, from what we saw of of of, of um, Josh Allen the other day, I can yes. never foresee Daniel Jones being that kind of player. But can he be a player you can win with? Possibly. They need to get better players around them. I think they'll try to do that. They'll get about our offensive line, and then it'll kind of be a one year trial for Daniel Jones. You know, they have in May, um, April or May, they have the. Um, they have to either pick up his fifth-year option, which would pay him $21 million in 2023, or he'll become a Ooh. free agent. I, I see no way will they will pick up that fifth-year option. No. You know, this is basically a make-or-break-it year for Daniel Jones, and that's a good thing. Let's see what the kid can do. I think I think that's also how I would do it because, like, I, you could also – I, I don't think they have to use five and, and seven this year. Like, conceivably, you could try to trade into next year's first round because – if Daniel Jones isn't your guy, maybe you want to get Bryce Young instead since that's when he's going to be eligible anyway. But another question uh, that I had was regarding Saquon Barkley sticking with players here because, you know, he's sort of been up and down too. And when he's played, he's mostly looked good, but then he's also had a lot of injuries. And he's going into the last year, I believe the last year of his contract, being that he was the first round pick several years ago. So, I mean, is he... I, I'm not going to ask if he's in the long-term plans because I don't even know if we can go that far. Is he even going to be on the team when they start off this season? Well, see, these are questions. These are good questions. You know, I don't know Joe Shane. You know what I mean? I don't know who the coach is. You know, maybe yeah. they bring in a coach, Brian Dable, and, and, and Brian Dable says, look, I don't need a high-priced running back. That's not the way the league is now. You know, we don't have high-priced running backs in Buffalo, and, right. and we're doing fine. So – um, do I think he'll be on the team? I do. I, I think the, Gi the Giants ownership wants him on the team. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, the new GM, the new head coach will say, look, I'm not coming if, if, if Saquon Barkley's on the team. He's a good guy. He's not really that expensive next year. What is he, $7.2 million or Seven something? Point, yeah, something yeah, like it, that. You know, it's a lot for a running back. But, look, the key with Saquon Barkley is being healthy. Right. Um, yeah. You know, if he's healthy, then you give it a go with him, right? And, yeah. and look – he had a great rookie year. You know, you can argue, you can debate the, the should you ever take a running back with the number two pick. That We could debate that for four hours. <laughs> but I don't think anyone can debate that his rookie year, he was a great player. And, Absolutely. And, and he was, you know, and he was like, wow, he's giving us greatness there. The team is not very good. So we can see why you did this because he's really good. Then he, he has a high ankle sprain his second year, and then he tears his ACL his third year. So, um you know, we need to see more of Saquon, obviously. We need to see him healthy. And, um, you know, this is – look, this is this is the good thing about this. These are make-or-break years for these guys, Saquon, Daniel Jones. Uh, they've done a lot of losing. Do they deserve to be on the team? Yeah, I think you could say they deserve to be. They do, do they deserve to have long-term commitments? No. They deserve to go on the field and see if they can do it and see if they're worth getting another contract with the Giants.
Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Now look, Paul, you've had to watch a lot of bad football recently. But if you're looking at the NFL this week, you saw some good football. It was a wild weekend, right? All four games count came down to the final play, which is insane. How much did you enjoy uh, the NFL football this weekend? Because you you deserve it. You absolutely deserve it. Um, did you have a fa- did you have a favorite game? For me, it was Bills Chiefs. Did you have a favorite game that you were able to look at this weekend? Well, um, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, it's at certain points watching these games, especially look look um, um, Packers and 49ers was not an offensive show at all. But, right. but the Chiefs-Bills, at some points I was watching that game and, and I was thinking to myself, this is not the same sport that I covered the last few years. It's just not the same sport. I mean, the, 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 the way these, these teams are executing on offense and scoring. I mean, 13 seconds and you, you go down the field to kick a field goal? I mean, the Giants can barely line up in 13 seconds on offense, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, well, look, look, the, the Chiefs-Bills game is an all-time game. So to say that that wasn't the best game is 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 a little crazy. But, um, you know, I like the cold weather game, the night game, the, the conditions game. Um, for, for a variety of reasons, I did not mind seeing Aaron Rodgers lose that game. So, um, you know, really. So I, wonder that was, why, I wonder why, Paul. I wonder well, why. You don't, you don't want to get too political on this show. No, no, no. But, I, but since we I know do, you, we like, do sometimes but, but, when we need to. <laughs> we do. And since I know you, Paul, I know that we all are probably in the same agreement as to why. I, I, so yeah. I, I get it. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, let's say, let's say there were some non-football reasons that yes. I, 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 I took great delight in seeing Robbie Gould kicked that winning field goal and, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers did not play well. And so that, that, you know, those elements and the cold and the conditions and Lambeau, I've been there, as you said, for these games, that was a really cool game. Like I said, it, it was 13, 10. So if you like offense and, and highlights, it was not there. You know, you can't compare that to chiefs bills, but that was a pretty special game too. And the outcome was, you know, it was kind of satisfying. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> Brian. I'm sure, Brian. I'm sure you you were with Paul where it was satisfying for you. Okay, too, here, here, Dexter. Here's something yes. you'll know, and Brian, you need to know. You know okay. what that game was? That game was pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty I know that's from Curved. I know yes, that's that from Curved. I do know that. <laughs> and yes, I, that and was. Dexter, to answer your question, yes. not only did I want Aaron Rodgers to lose in the way that he did. I had money on the 49ers, so, you know, I had there the spread, go. had the money line, had the under, hit all three. So I was feeling good about that. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were feeling great about Brian, that. Brian, you yeah. buried the lead. You buried the lead. I had money on the game. I won money. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's all we needed to know. No, that's Paul, all Paul, Paul, when you look at the Bills-Chiefs game, right, because everything that everybody's been talking about after that game is, oh, my God, the Bills didn't get a, a chance to – to score with the overtime rules and everything about that. 
How do you feel about that? As somebody who's been around the NFL, covered the NFL for a long time, should uh, now we know the rules have been tweaked. They were tweaked uh, a few years back. They tweaked the overtime rules, different from when I grew up watching it. But what do you think about the overtime rules now? Should we change it, or are they fine the way they, way it is right now? Well, look, the rule that we had previously, where first score wins, right, was no good. The yeah, offense is too right. good. No good. You, you, you know, you, you get the ball to twenty five. You have three first downs. The guy kicks a fifty two yard field goal. You win. You know, and and no good. No good. So, okay, I understand what the NFL did with this. You got to score a touchdown. And look, you know what? I'm not like crazed about it because you, you, you know, the people who are now. I'll get to my point about what I think, but I mean, the people who look at that game and say this is a, an atrocity that Josh Allen didn't get back on the field. Well, the greater atrocity was the Bills letting the 49 letting the chiefs come down in 13 seconds and kick a field goal you know defense and special teams are two-thirds of this game right so i understand that the the rules are set up for offense i get that and and that game the defenses were gashed they were exhausted whoever was going to get the ball last was going to win but the bills collapsed on defense okay and plus on special teams they needed to squib the kick to not kick it off and give them 13 seconds. If you squib mm. the kick, if you squib the kick, right, they field it and and a couple of seconds runs off the clock, even if the guy, you know, declares himself down. That's not smart. So that's coaching and special teams. Having said that, if you want to – and look, they made these overtime rules with the players in mind. They don't want these guys going out there and playing and playing and playing a whole extra quarter. You have more injuries. Look, what happens if – the rules are changed, right? And now you have you have both teams get the ball, right? So mm-hmm. the Chiefs get the ball and score a touchdown. Now the Bills get the ball, and on the ensuing possession, somebody the, the quarterback goes down and, and he's done for the year, and they they win the game anyway. So you know, the more they play, the more risk there is of injury. But if the NFL wants to say in overtime, both teams have to get the ball, okay? Period. You score a touchdown, then you score a touchdown, then the next score wins. I'm I'm okay with that. You can't just keep it even the whole time. So you score a touchdown. Okay, now you get the ball. You score a touchdown. If you want to end the game, you can go for two, right? You say, look, we can't stop them. So you can go for two and win, or you can tie it up, and then next score wins, and if the other team comes down and kicks a field goal, the game's over. If you want to tweak it to that rule, I'm okay with that. That's fine. I'd be fine with that. Brian, I don't know how I feel about what Paul said. I thought Paul made a great point. One, I had not considered the special teams factor of it. I had not considered uh, the squib kick. That That's huge. You make a great point about that, Paul, that they should have done that. Secondly, where I agree with you uh, completely on this is that, look, you if you're a great defense, like the Bills are supposed to be, you can't let them come down and score in 13 seconds. And look, I, I love Mahomes. I love what the Chiefs did. But the Bills defense is supposed to be really good. Yeah. And they couldn't stop him. I know Brian will sit here and tell me about the greatness of Mahomes, and I agree with all that. But you're right. you got to kill the Bills' defense here uh, on this. If they change the rule to what you said, which I think is a fine suggestion, I'm cool with that. But I'm not cool with the people that are complaining today about, oh, the Bills should have had a chance. They should have stopped them. And, and, and listen, you know what was interesting? Who didn't complain? Josh Allen. Yeah. yeah. Did not say one word about it. Kudos to him. And look, the one, thing is, the one thing is, you can say the rule should be changed, fine, but everyone knew the rule. It's not like they right. put the rule in for the game. So it's not like, holy cow, I, I was blindsided by this. Um, I get it. 
look, people just wanted to see more of that game. They, you know, people wanted to see Josh Allen and they don't like this. We flip a coin. I say heads, it's tails. You get the ball. I lose. I get that. So if they want to change the rule, that's fine, but it's not an unfair rule. And that was the rule, you know, in all these sports we see, you know, remember, you know, the rules with them and, you know, you guys are big hoops guys, right. Where, you know, the, the James Harden rule where, you know, uh, the step back and, and, you know, the, the verticality, all these three pointers that are getting fouls, right. It's a bad rule. I hate the rule where you stick your arm out and then you come up over the arm and it's three points. So right. change the rule. And until they change the rule, then the, the refs have to call it the way the rule is. And if it's, a, if, if it's, if it's not good, then just change the rule. I'm, I'm pretty much with that. Ryan, did you, you want to see the OT rule, rule change? No, I, I mean, I, I think the best point here uh, that Paul made was basically like, the Bills allowing the Chiefs to just march down the field with two, you know, long passes and then putting themselves in a position to tie that game and go into overtime. Like the Bills just should have stopped it right there. Like I saw, I think Saquon Barkley actually was one of the people that tweeted like, okay, so you win the coin toss and then you have a chance. I mean, and then you basically win the game, like the team who gets the first possession or whatever. And I'm like, look, I think that if you are the Chiefs and you have the ball in your own 25, that's already an uphill battle to try to march down the field like the Bills had plenty of time to stop them and the Chiefs just made it easy and carved them up. You can't – what you can't have is because what people are going to want is for both teams to have a chance and then we're going to end up with the college football rules and I don't want to see a game that ends regulation 21-21 that becomes (laughs) 48-45 just because we have to keep doing this. More football is not good for people's health necessarily either. After a long four-quarter game, you want to add like eight overtimes? Like, no, I'm not doing that. Look, look, no, right. we, we, we said that the Bills, look, put, put it this way. If, if you're the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan in the world, right, um, you know, and, and we all do this, right, when you watch a close game and you watch one team score and you immediately look at the scoreboard, right, and you go, oh, a minute and five seconds. Oh, that's he, he left too much time for Brady. He left too much time for, you know, whatever the great quarterback is, Rodgers. You know, you look up, 47 seconds, they have one timeout. Oh, man, that's too much time. 13 seconds, I, <laughs> I did not look at that and say, Man, they left them too much time. You know, I just didn't. You know, there's certain things that should not be able to happen. Look, the Dak Prescott play from the week before, right, where he was trying to run the ball and lasted 14 seconds. Yeah. So they couldn't get the play in 14 seconds, and in 13 <laughs> seconds, that dude went the whole field to right. get the field goal, pretty much. I mean, but having said that, when you lose the coin toss, you don't have to give up a touchdown either, right? Right. You right. don't have to give up. It's not. It's not. You know, written in stone that the great quarterback is has to score a touchdown. So they did. I mean, you know, it was it was it was. Yeah, but look, it was it was a great game. It was a great game. It was amazing. It, it was a great game. All right, Paul. Our last thing before, before we let you go, who's gonna who's gonna win the Super Bowl? You know, you got all these teams left. You got the Bengals here that I don't think anybody saw being an AFC Championship game. You got the the Chiefs. We've got the Rams uh, who upset Brian's boy Tom Brady. Uh, my boy, <laughs> and we and we've got that. We've I'm got so the Niners. He's out of the playoffs. I'm so I'm so uh, tired. Of him. Brian is so thrilled that Brady's out the playoffs. Oh my god! Um, who do you think? Who do you think's winning it out of these four four teams? Uh, who do you think's winning it and going to LA? Well, the I'd be shocked if the Bengals win. I really would. You know, I just yeah. I just don't think they're going to go into Kansas City and win a game. I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. Um, you know, I don't love their defense necessarily. Uh, so, so I, I mean, that, that's one of these games. You know, you know, one thing is we love these upsets in the in the, in the divisional rounds, but it doesn't always lead to the best matchups 
you know, in the championships if you have that. So, you know, I, I think the Bengals are, are really feisty and getting better, but I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs. So I have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And then, you know, 49ers, Rams, I mean, you know, I usually go with the better quarterback. Stafford's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers got some real magic going. They're a really kick-ass hard team. But I think I would take the Rams. They're playing at home, even though it's both California. So if you give me a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl, um, I would take the Chiefs. You know, I would take the Chiefs. Uh, the, look, the Rams, you know, if Odell gets moving, you know, if Odell um, is, you know, is even better. You know, we've seen highlights from Odell. Because the other guy you can't stop, you know, you can't stop Cooper Cup. So yeah. if you're going to double him and you're and Odell oh, yeah. kind of gets in groove here and is trying to make a case to stay with the Rams, you know, the Rams might be kind of unstoppable. But um, and the Rams have a great uh, front line on defense. Uh, but you know, Mahomes, you know, I'm not picking against Mahomes. That's all there is to it. Yeah, it's yeah. going gonna to be tough for me because I like Mahomes, and then you know, with the Rams, I want to go rock with Aaron Donald, University of Pitt. Uh, yeah. alum you know i want to root for him but uh yeah I, i'm look i'm here for that i think that's what the super bowl is going to be too paul i'm here for it i want to see it i think it would be a fantastic super bowl so hopefully hopefully get that but i'm with you i don't think i could bet against the chiefs i don't think i can and it would be it would be a home game for the rams don't forget it that is be, true i'm forgetting about true. and i've been at that stadium the giants played at sofi stadium yeah and it is guys it is unbelievable look I've been, I've been in dallas you know an at&t stadium which is an unbelievable football palace but SoFi Stadium is, it is on, it is the way it's it, it's built. You know, it, it's covered, but it's open on the sides. It's very LA. It is, it's got a funky in the round uh, video screens. It is a spectacular football building, and it will be a spectacular Super Bowl there. And if the Rams are there, that will be pretty pretty wild. Now, I, I don't know if this will will the post be, will they be sending you to for Super Bowl coverage. Well, okay. Yes, sir. I will be there. Yeah. You I'll will be, be there for Super Bowl coverage. I, were you at were you at the Super Bowl in twenty fifteen in Arizona with me? That was Pat's uh what was it Pat Seahawks when uh Seahawks. you know Pete Carroll overthought things. Yeah, I've been I've been live at every Super Bowl since nineteen ninety five, except for the pandemic. You know you, you see you see what you see you see what happened right there, Brian? Another way to make you feel old. I mean, well, us feel old. You feel young. That's 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 what happened there. That's what happened. That's that's Paul Swartz, Paul Swartz, beat writer for the New York Giants, also part of the Big Blue Rush podcast on the New York yeah. Post Network with Jake Brown and Lawrence Tynes. Definitely check him out. Paul, thank you for joining us on the yeah. Ain't Hard to Sell podcast. We definitely got to have you back again for sure. Sure. As long as it's nice and warm, I'll come back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Never called here. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mom, one time. One time for your mind. Got some interesting stuff to talk about this week. This week, it might surprise people. I have a little bit more of the rant. Brian has a little <laughs> bit more of the entertainment. Yeah. Brian, what, Brian, what you got this week? <laughs> you're, la you you're, heard, you're laughing because this is like trading places. That's what this is. Have you heard of the show, Dex, uh, on now on HBO Max called The Peacemaker? No, I have not at all. Okay, so except a except it sounds the opposite of anything that Brian will watch because it's about peace, not violence. So Peacemaker <laughs> does not sound like something Brian will be watching. Nah, there's violence in it. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. What a shock. There's violence here. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to give too much away, and I'm also only a couple episodes in. But, like, 
you know, we're all trying to find time, not all of us, but a lot of people are trying to find time for new shows, new entertainment, uh, being that sports, it's a heavy sports time. Like I had no time for anything this weekend except for the NFL games, some NBA stuff, and I had a lot of boxing at MMA Saturday. Gary Russell Jr., by the way, upset loss, um, you know, so that was surprising to some people I actually predicted that. But Peacemaker is a show on HBO Max that stars John Cena. Um, who has become a good actor, which I sort of saw this coming early on, being that, you know, I've watched him for years in wrestling or whatever the case may be. And, you know, he start, he's been getting more important roles and bigger roles and things of that nature. And he's, he's sort of, I, I guess, found his sort of uh, his voice, if you will, or his, his sort of stick. And I remember Dex, I don't know, have you ever seen Trainwreck when it came out? The Amy Schumer movie? Uh oh, that that is the one that had LeBron in it, right? LeBron and Amari no, Sotomayor. I, I, I did not familiar. I did not see that. I know of the movie, but I did not see it. John Cena was a pretty big part of that movie, and this was in mm. 2015. And you could sort of see, like, oh, he from a movie standpoint, because if you watch wrestling, you already know like he's yeah, he's funny, he has comedic chops or whatever. Now you see it in a movie, it's a little bit of a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. So Peacemaker is kind of like it's kind of a comedy. Uh, I, I think it probably skews even more that way than kind of, but like it's it's very funny. The first couple episodes that I've seen, uh, he's the star of it. There's other actors that you would uh probably know from like other shows and things of that nature that I'm blanking on their real names right now because I got to do more research. I've kind of just watched the show because my boy Brandon just came up in my crib and was like, "Yo, you should watch this because Cena's in it, and we're big wrestling fans, so we gave it a oh, shot." Oh, yeah, you wrestling fans, Don't yo. Like- it's good. It's interesting. A lot of people like the, the the applause that I've seen, like people were saying HBO Max got one. This is really good, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like to compare it to something else. I heard Dan Levitar compare it to Deadpool before I started watching it. Now that I've yeah. seen a couple episodes, that's I was like, OK, that's an interesting comparison because it's kind of like it's kind of like this superhero who's in on the joke. And right. I kind of like that because I'm not somebody who watches like it's difficult for me to gravitate towards things that aren't grounded in reality, right? Where it's too wait, superhero wait. based, right? Wait, wait, wait. what? It's difficult what? for you to to watch things that aren't grounded in reality, but you like wrestling? Yeah, because because wrestling, like, it's not it's not like there's freaking you know they have like. Martians and you know they're like, fucking fighting on planets and shit like that. You know what I mean? It's not that. Like they're still they, they, doing. They might as well. They might they're as still, well. They're still you know. doing the moves and hitting each other with chairs and putting each other through tables. Probably too often, if you ask some people. But etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> and you know, wrestling hasn't been hitting the same lately. But we'll see because now it's Royal Rumble season. You know what I'm saying? It's Royal Rumble this weekend, and it's going to be on okay. Saturday. So okay. I'm not going to interfere with the NFL. But anyway. Oh, okay, hold on. Hold on. Yes. I, I don't mean to stop you one time for your mind here. Yes. I, I need to do this because since we the last time we had a big wrestling discussion and we had Dan Serafin on, uh, I have not watched any wrestling events. And I feel, when growing up, I used to like to watch the Royal Rumble. You know what I'm saying? The Royal it's Rumble Saturday be, this year, not Sunday. It's Saturday, not Sunday this year. I think I'm going to take a peek. I'm going to take a peek and look into the Royal Rumble. Back to what you have to say. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And it's and it's on Peacock now. So if you have the Peacock, then uh, you're good. Or the cock. Not. The cock, as Jim Cornette I'm, calls it. I'm not doing um, that, but okay. <laughs> so, yeah. No, Peacemaker's very entertaining uh, so far. It's uh, 
it's uh, I, I like stuff that's usually grounded in reality. Like I like Splinter Cell, for example, is one of my favorite video game series. I like sports games and things of that nature and storytelling. Right. So this has elements of that, but it has some superhero stuff in it, obviously, cause, obviously, because it's superhero. But he's not somebody who like this isn't a show that I feel like takes itself super seriously like there was a good amount of humor to where i'm like okay i'm in so i think people should check it out because it got on my radar and i didn't think it would and it probably only did because cena is a part of it and i was just curious but i don't watch everything cena does you know what i mean i didn't like all the marine movies for example so you know i think it's something that at hbo max there's a reason they took a chance on it and we've talked about this dex uh we may not like every single thing hbo max does but hbo right. has a high slugging percentage and you know when they're in on something, you could expect a certain amount of quality uh, and respect for that project. So um, y'all should check it out. And I'm definitely gonna I'm I'm gonna power through the rest of season one as that uh, as that continues to you know drop. All right, I'm gonna check that out. There's a bunch of stuff that's not HBO proper, but HBO Max related series that I have yet to check out. I did watch one last year called Industry, which was really good. But there's some really good stuff that's on HBO Max that they've been giving opportunities to different storytellers so i actually do want to check that out because i think they've had some good stuff so that's dope peacemaker check that out this bronze one time for your mind now for me i got a little bit of a rant and this 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 involves something i i've, I've dealt with throughout yeah. my career and sometimes I'm, I'm gonna let people know i'm already co-signing this yeah i'm Brian's already co-signing co yeah, i already know where this is going <laughs> brian knows it's going because i text him about it last week and i was like yo this is my one time for your mind this week i'm Shout out to all my fellow video journalists out there. If you've been working out in the field, I don't care if you've done news, well, particularly if you've done news, because this kind of stuff you pretty much is avoidable in sports, okay? News or you do weather reporting like I used to do at one time, this stuff is kind of unavoidable. But let me make sure I get this stuff clear here. And you, you might have seen this because it was all over the place, viral. Reporter for WSAZ in Charleston, West Virginia. West Virginia is not a place you really want to be working. Uh, yeah. shout, shout out to my former co-worker, Katie Lusso. She used to work in West Virginia. I believe in Charleston, too, actually. I don't know if it was that exact station, but shout out to her. Uh, Tori Yorgi uh, is a reporter for uh, WSAZ TV in Charleston, West Virginia. She actually, had, it was her last week of work because she then took a job with WTAE uh, in Pittsburgh. Shout out to TAE. Uh, my mentor, Jamoki Davis, used to work there as a producer. Um, but she was doing a live shot. And I'm going to get into my thoughts on live shots, okay? She was doing a live shot. And here's what happened, folks. She was struck by a car. Struck by a car during the live shot. Now, she was. I forgot what she was reporting on, but she was in a parking lot area, and the car came and hit her. And what was amazing to me, and this is where I got to put this to camera for those watching. I got to put this back on Brian. Brian, I just want to know something. You have never done a live shot before outside of doing live silent reporting for a game. So technically not true. Brian has been live on camera uh, for a game produced. And La Cultura. That counts. No, it wasn't live, but. I mean. Yeah. On the know. scene, it wasn't yeah, live. Yeah, you were allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. to. Anyway, get my point. Semantics. Yeah. Semantics. But if it's live, it's being broadcast. If a car came and hit you, are you getting <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy ass. I just do think this is a fair question. It's, it's very small. It's small. Am I finishing the live shot? Yes. And are you getting up? As no, even if you thought you could get up. You know, you know, I'm thinking about this, right? I think, Dex, put the camera back on you. I need to see your reaction to this. 
because I, <laughs> I think I'm doing honestly. I'm thinking like because I'm not. I'm not. The, you know, I'm not trying to say like I'm that dude. But one of two things I feel like will happen instinctively. One, which is probably less likely than two. One, I would probably get up and finish the report, but be annoyed about it. Two, I think I might seek the driver out. If you know what I mean. Like I, I might yeah, try to both. I, both of those emotions are completely. Like I might I'll not. Get, I might not finish the report. I might be like, "Who the fuck hit me?" And then no, get well, up. You, you, you don't want to. You don't want to do that on live TV, even though I think that's a raw. But like, I mean, yeah. if it's my last week. But yeah, fair, fair point. Also, there are things that have happened to people on live TV that I'm going to get to in a second that have been threatening to their life from people and other things. Now. There's a couple, this is very layered here for me. Yeah. And myself and a lot of other reporters, and there's a fantastic article in the New York Times that was written by Amanda Holpuch. So once again, it writes, how the reporters hit by car and air striking nerve with TV journalists. Look, it struck a nerve with me. It struck a nerve with me. Because I've been out, I've been out doing live shots. What should be noted about this? A live shot is when you're broadcasting live, giving a news report back. And I'll get into my feelings on live shots. I have a bunch of feelings on this. But Here's the thing about this live shot that it appears to be. It appears that the reporter, and I want to get the reporter's name correctly again, Tori Yorgi, was doing this live shot on his own. Most times people think about news. You think about the reporter out there. You think about the camera person out there. Uh-uh. That's not how it always goes down in these small markets. That's not how it always goes down at some of these stations. Sometimes you're shooting it by yourself. You know who's shooting live shots by themselves? Me. You know who's shooting live shots by themselves at one point? For the previous network I used to work for, in storms, in snow, heavy wind, dangerous conditions, me. You know who didn't feel safe? Me. You know who should never be doing that? Anybody. Nobody should be doing any of this stuff because it's not safe. If Tori was out there by herself shooting this live shot, it's not safe. Here's why it's not safe, folks. When you're shooting a live shot, especially at night, you want you want to be in a place, this is just safety 101, you should be in a place where you should be able to see both sides of you, right? People know that. If you lived in an urban area, you want to be able to know what's going on around you at all times. But when you're doing a live shot, just like I am right now doing this podcast and we have the video cast, I'm looking directly into the camera. Now, I might see some things in my peripheral, but when you're locked in, zoned in on that live shot, you might not see that at all whatsoever. You might not know what's going on. That's why having a cameraman... It's great because you can have a set of eyes. But Brian, let's get the camera back on Brian. Why do you think these stations allow people, including at my previous employer, allow people to do these live shots by themselves in inclement weather, in dangerous conditions, in bad neighborhoods, at night, dark? Not that crime necessarily happens more at night. That's not necessarily true. But in the dark, not well lit, all this stuff. Why do you think that occurs, Mr. Fonseca? Oh, because we want to allocate our resources to different means, et cetera, et cetera, which basically means that they're cheap. They're cheap and don't want to send a camera person out there. They just want you, the reporter, to do all the work, set up your own live shot, uh, you know, make sure that you're correctly framed and do all those things as opposed to having somebody else out there so that, you know, in the event that there's a car about to ram your ass over, they can actually be like, hey, yo, watch it, you know, step aside real quick or tell the car to like, hold on, we're about to shoot this. Let me pull people behind the curtain. Yes, Brian is correct about that. Everything's hit on. Brian said it simply because they cheat. 
because they don't want to, because they know so many people want opportunities to get on airs, particularly in smaller markets. And I really want to say this to my reporters who work in smaller markets, who know the grind of one man banding, know the grind of doing that, having to shoot their own live shots. But then they're putting situations that are unsafe, that's dangerous. And a lot of people that commented in this New York Times article were a lot of former reporters, because a lot of current reporters for these networks, they don't want to sometimes speak out. And I understand it because they don't want to lose opportunities. They don't want to mess up the bread. I get all that. But a lot of former reporters for networks are speaking out. And look, for me, a part of it, this is why I didn't really want to be involved with certain things for local news. It's not for stuff I just did when I worked at AccuWeather, where I was absolutely in dangerous situations doing live shots, where other people, other broadcasters commented about it, right? There were things I had to do for myself. Other broadcasters I worked with, other journalists also complained about it. You think the company cared? They didn't care. They're like, yo, go, you better go out there and keep doing them live shots. It's ridiculous. I've talked with other journalists about this. I've sent this video and talked to fellow journalists about it who've worked, who've done one-man band, who are about my age. And when you get older, you're like, man, I'm not trying to do that anymore. I under, and I'm not shaming Tori. I understand why she did it. I wouldn't have got up. Because let me tell you all something to pull it behind the curtain. These stations in these small markets, when people are trying to get experience, they don't pay that well. So it paid to stay on the floor. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It paid to stay on the floor. It didn't pay to get up. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a great, I understand people, some people are saying, look, there's a great honor in her finishing the live shot and all that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's not, it's, there's no honor in the company for sending her out there in a dangerous situation. And here's the thing, if you want to, it was dark, she's in a parking lot. There's no reflective vest for her. There's no protective gear. And let me pull another layer behind the curtain, Brian, that I just don't feel about. And let me say this, live shots are overrated. Yes. You don't need them that much. A lot of, unless something is developing or continuously going on that somebody can see behind you, you don't need me to stand outside the building of a, some place where there was a robbery when nothing else is going on. The robbery happened. There's this value in TV news is somehow if you stand there and you report from there, it makes you more of a reporter and do it live. And people still go for this. It's so outdated. It's so overrated. Most live shots don't make sense, right? Like one of the things I used to say, Brian, is when I did weather reporting and there was a storm, right? You don't need to see me out in the storm to tell you how bad it was. Like, do you really need to see me out there to tell you how bad it was? Hey, I'm out here. It's the winds are picking up. Yo, but it's not safe for anybody to be out, but I'm out there, right? Like, like that never made any sense to me, right? Like this, what's the value in that? I'm not saying that people don't need to see it. I'm not saying people don't need to see images, but do we need to put a person out there? Risking their life in dangerous situations, at least in those situations, just to be clear, in hurricanes, I did have a camera person. But I've been in snowstorms where I did not. I've been in heavy rain, pouring rain, tropical storms where I did not. That's crazy. They shouldn't do that. Like, could we do better in the industry? But I really think, Brian, you talked about this last week. This is why I thought it was important to bring this up. Brian mm -hmm. said last week, until people start fighting for things for themselves to demand better, nothing is going to change. So until journalists start saying, nah, and I'm hoping the younger journalists do this. This is my plea to younger journalists than me coming in. I know you're trying to get your opportunity. I know there's still a thought of going through local markets, small markets is a way to go, even though it looks like it's dying. I know that there's this thing to do that. But, yo, you got to think better about yourself. You got to think better about your safety. You don't have to be hit by a car like Tori, because what if Tori got hit by a car and that was worse? What if she couldn't physically get up? What if she was not here anymore, seriously hurt in the, in the, in the hospital, or worse, dead? Yeah. That's what's going to come to for us to start caring about reporter safety? Like, this is what it has to happen. 
us to care about reporter safety, shame on you, television stations, just particularly local TV stations. Y'all don't have to be that cheap because it's not going to matter or that cost when somebody dies. So it's on the television stations for sure. I am not letting them off the hook, but it's on us journalists to stand up and say no more. We don't got to do this. You don't have to send this young woman or man out to some neighborhood late at night that's not safe to do a live shot by themselves or anywhere. Don't have to do this. We could be better. It's time to evolve past that. I think live shots are a little bit overrated, but even if you don't feel the way I feel on that, we don't have to do live shots in dangerous situations anymore. It's 2022. Can we evolve past that? This shouldn't happen where this has to happen again. That's my rant. That's my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. I, I, I appreciate that. Anything to add, Brian? No, I think you hit it out of the park. And you know, uh, I, I think that I think that one man banding, while there's a certain pride in it, like there's a lot of people, specifically of your generation, that take pride in, you know, being able to, you know, shoot their own stuff and cut their own clips and edit their own film and, you know, do the write their own scripts and things of that nature. I think there's a value to learning how to do all those things. But I also think that if like one is going to constantly take away from the other. And if you're somebody who is striving to be great at being on camera, having to do the heavy lifting elsewhere is going to take away from that. And I think that, you know, if you're going to really be a a legit station that cares about the people that they're putting on air, you should probably allocate some more resources that you do have. Generally speaking, you probably do have to give them a, you know, a video producer, a, a shooter, just somebody out there with them. Shit and we didn't even dex you didn't even get into like i mean you got into the dangerous situations about the elements but you know how many examples have we seen of women in particular being out yeah. one man banding themselves yeah. being harassed by men yeah uh specifically in big cities or yep. even in small cities but especially in big cities and crowded areas like i don't think the elements need to be dangerous for someone to be at risk I also think that if you're putting somebody out there and not that you're saying that you're obviously not and you're with right, others, but right. I think that if you're out there in a crowded area doing a live shot from like a Coachella or something like that, like just a, an event where there's a lot of people like, yeah, people are going to be looking at you like, oh, what's this? I'm sure that there are incidents that we don't know about at local stations of somebody stealing equipment from somebody who was oh, doing that's their live shot. You know what that's, I mean? That's, like, that's, that's happened. Um you know, I had a former coworker. Well, it was well documented who uh, her purse was stolen. Somebody came and tried to snatch it out of the car. And I, this is, I kid you not, this was after two days, two days prior. She had said to me she felt unsafe going to certain neighborhoods to even do live shots or as lives alone. She had just said it to me. And then two days later, it happened that somebody snatched her purse out of her car while she was working on the story. So I've seen, we've seen this stuff happen. Brian, you bring up a great point about harassment uh, of female reporters. In the field, harassment mm-hmm. happens to a lot of reporters. There are times you're doing live shots. People will try to distract you. Um, I've seen, I've had this happen to me. And luckily, I had a camera person to be able to get that person away. There is value in that camera person because their eyes are in your shot, but they're also eyes on anything else going around. So while you're locked in, somebody might do that. I've had people try to approach and come into this shot. I've had people come into my shot. I've had all this stuff happen. I've had, while doing a live shot, people yelling at me. F the station, or I, I, yeah. all the stuff has happened. Yeah, and there, and so when when if I wasn't by myself in those situations, thankfully the station I was working for did not have me do live shots alone. So that's that's beautiful to to, to say. But 
that's not the situation for everybody. And it's, it's, it's dangerous. You're a target when that happens. We've seen reporters get attacked. You talked about this with Michelle Yu when she was on here last year. We are talking about Stop Asian Hate. And uh, Safan Kim, who's a reporter for WABC New York, somebody like literally came up and attacked him on air. And he had to throw hands. He did what he had to do, rightfully so. But yeah. that's what you got to do. This is not so you can't put reporters out here just out there on their own. That nah, man, can't happen. Yeah. Stations got to do better. Stop being cheap. Brian's right though. Stop. Got to stop being cheap. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode two hundred nine. Huge thank you to my guy Paul Swartz uh, for the New York Post for joining us. We appreciate him for doing that. Also, want to remind everybody: please check out our promotion with Prize Picks. Uh, use the promo code Backpack. Uh, they will match your first deposit up to $100 if you choose to do that. Really good to do that. Be sure to follow the Ain't Hard to Sell podcast on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter. We're on IG. Give us that follow. And you want to donate to us? Don't be cheap. You can support Backpack Broadcasting via Patreon. Do that. We want to thank all our patrons who support us and allow us to do this great podcast for you each and every week. We got a lot more good stuff coming up this year. Brian and I, we got a lot of good stuff cooking cooking up a lot of guests. Uh, We got some really good things that we are excited about in this new year. 2020 is a good year. We're out here to get it. Uh, Keep these numbers climbing. You know, know, Brian's eyes on 300 episodes. You know his eyes on 300 episodes. You Mm -hmm. know he's focused on that. 250 is a big number. That's that's right. You know, 41 to go. How many weeks left in the year? More than that. Like, by the end of 2022, you know what I'm saying? Like... Might hit that 250, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Brian, Brian, Brian is all about enjoying the milestones, as you should. You should enjoy these milestones. You should. For Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Till we reach that next milestone of 210. Cheers, y'all.